0: Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message.
1: As you know, it's um, a custom of ours to have a lineup of preachers on random Wednesday nights because we have a lot of gifted and talented preachers in this body, and we don't want to keep them to ourselves. We want to share them with you. So at this time, I'm going to call my friend Ashley to come forward. Is she here? She's MIA? Okay. All right, we will uh, skip over Ashley then. And let me see if Alex is in here. No? Alex? <laughs> Carolyn, guess what? You're up. Yay! You're the only one brave enough to be in the room when it's time to go first. I'm sorry. Uh, Y'all remember Carolyn. She was one of Eric's homiletic students, and she's preached for us before, and so you know you're in for a treat. So y'all give Carolyn Brooks a welcome.
2: Thank you. Well, good evening, everyone. Yes, my name is Carolyn, and I go to Christ for the Nations Institute. I'm in my third year there. And for the first two years, um, they've been amazing. And this third year has been really hard, but it's also amazing. So third year project is real. Um, But if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 23. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 from the New Living Translation. Again, that's Psalm 23, 1 through 4. I want to talk to you about the promise of presence tonight. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite scriptures, and part of that's because it's like the first one I memorized as a child. And God has always brought it back into my life, no matter what season I'm in, and He's always encouraged me with it. So, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4, says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, He leads me beside peaceful streams, He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. As I mentioned, I am in my third year at CFNI, and for the first two years, I worked as a nanny. So I worked with this wonderful Christian family. They've got three kids, Charlie, Caroline, and Claire, Caroline and Claire are twin girls that are almost four, and they're quite a handful, but I love them. One of my main jobs was to pick them up from school throughout the week, and one weekend, my car was having some issues, so I had to take it into the shop to get fixed. I was living with my grandparents at the time, and so my grandfather helped me get the car into the shop and talk to the mechanic, because I have no idea about anything about cars, and he was just helping me through that process. But Monday came around and my car still wasn't ready to be driven and I needed to pick the girls up from school and I was like, I don't have any way to get there. So I was texting the mom trying to work something out and then my grandfather very kindly offered to take me to the school, pick up the kids and then drop us off at their house. So I checked with the mom and she was okay with that so that's what we did. We went to the school and I go and I grab the girls while my grandfather waits in the car And I'm walking them back to the car, and I'm explaining to them, okay, my car has to get fixed, so my grandfather's driving us today. He's really nice. He's really kind. He's going to take good care of you. It's going to be okay. And the girls had heard about my grandfather because they loved to know everything about my life. So they knew about him, and they were kind of excited to meet them, kind of not, but they seemed okay. So I took him to the car, and I put him in the seats, and I strap him in, and I get in the car, and... After about a minute of driving, I look back to check on them. Claire is very friendly, so she's having the time of her life. She's got a new person. She's in a new car. It's a grand adventure, and she is talking away. Caroline, on the other hand, is more shy and reserved and doesn't like spontaneous surprises or strangers. So when I looked back about a minute after we left the school, she had these tears streaking down her cheeks. And she wasn't saying anything, but she was just crying. And she was really tense, and I could tell she was really afraid and uncomfortable. And I said, Caroline, it's okay. I'm here. And I reached back with my hand, and I took hold of her hand. And as soon as I did that, the tears stopped. She took a deep breath, and she relaxed. And she was okay. And I just held her hand the rest of the ride, and she was fine. You have a shepherd and a father who is always right beside you. When you are afraid or uncertain, he comes and holds you. And his peace that surpasses all understanding comes into your heart. You don't have to walk or live in fear. In fact, perfect love leaves no room for fear within you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, Jesus is there. He's with you. He is closer than you know and he will never leave you nor forsake you. You can be at peace in his safe embrace today. He is with you in the victory. He's also with you in the valley. He is your good shepherd, and he will always protect you. Thank you.
1: Good job. How old are you, Carolyn? 20? 21. You know, the world can say what they want about our millennials, but we've got some around here who want to use their gifts and talents in the house of God. All right. Next up, I will call on, Ashley, you decided to show up. I appreciate that. Ashley Tamborin.
3: thoroughly embarrassed. Thank you. (laughs) No, my daughter decided, my seven-year-old decided to come as the queen of hearts tonight. You know, just we all want to do that. And then she got like scared the last minute. So, and she changed her mind a minute ago. She was like, will you take me? I can only have you take me. So, anyway, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad to be here tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, This is a dream come true for me and um, such a blessing. And I want to start out by telling you a little bit about my story, a little bit about my testimony and being honest about some of the things that I've been facing. Uh, Recently in my life, I went through one of the hardest trials someone can go through, and I've uh, walked through a divorce. And as some of you know, uh, it's a very, it's a difficult process. I like to say that it's kind of like a death, except that person is alive and haunts you. (laughs) And I... (laughs) I say that lovingly towards the towards i mean i 'm very grateful i 'm very grateful for um, my ex husband and who has married Tim, and i and I have good things to say um, about him, but it is that kind of process, and that it 's always before you and it begins to surround you and you I know many of you understand that when you walk through a trial, it can be the death of a child, it can be a sickness, it can be uh, a wayward child, it can be the loss of a job, anything like that you you sometimes get into like a chrysalis of sadness, and it just is ever before you. And so, of course, the Lord in his goodness during this time has begun to to talk to me about joy. You know, and part of you is like, is this a cruel joke? (laughs) Like, why are you talking to me about joy? Um, So, of course, when I think about joy, I think of the children's songs that we all know, like, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Okay, come on. Don't leave me hanging. Uh, So I think of that one, and then my favorite verse is, if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Ouch. (laughs) My kids are like, why would he sit on a tack? I'm like, Lake of Fire just doesn't have the same ring, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's not the same. So anyway, but I think of that song, and then, of course, the next thing that came to my mind was, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We all think of that. But I have to be honest in that when I began to study, I did not know that that came from Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was a man that when the children of Israel were in exile, uh, he worked for the king and he was actually granted permission to come back and rebuild the walls. The city had been completely demolished and he was granted permission to come back and rebuild these walls. And when they did this, they actually excavated the laws of Moses. And of course, many of the people had been in exile, They they had no idea about the laws of Moses and And the many, 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 many laws of Moses that there were. It was no small book. So he instructs Ezra to begin to read the laws of Moses to the people. And so it says they stood from morning until evening and listened to these laws. And, of course, as they're listening to these things, they just become heavy and laden. Some of them were weeping and just feeling like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm behind before I ever even got started. I thought I was a decent person, and then I found out all that there was. And so what's interesting here is that then this is what Nehemiah's reaction is. And this is so full of grace. And I love to see God's New Testament grace in the Old Testament. And this is what he says. Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. And share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so, of course, when it would be the instinct to go and wallow and feel bad, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you kind of want to do that almost as like a penance. You know, you wake up, you're heavy, you're in this chrysalis of pain, you're frustrated, and it would almost be easier to be underneath that. But the Lord wants you to have joy instead. And so I begin to think, okay, joy is strength. So then that would mean that's almost something you have to exercise, you know, to gain strength, you go to the gym. It is a practice. It is a diligence. It is a discipline. So, I would challenge you that joy is a discipline. And with that discipline, that's something you can achieve on a regular basis. And it is something that you have to begin to celebrate and practice before you see the victory in something. And so, That's one of the things that the Lord has has taught me that I have to do is that I have to value joy. And you think about joy being a commodity. It says in Hebrews, this really, really inspired me. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross. He was joyous to get to his death. With joy he faced death. See, joy is not happiness. Happiness is situational. Happiness is high five. I won something. It's right in front of my face. I can see it. Joy defies odds. Joy is not based upon anything you can see or any circumstance. It goes so much deeper than that. Our our Jesus went to the cross with joy to do for us and that, that just truly, it gives me a strength that I can't tell you. And so the question is, where do you get this joy? And, of course, joy comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is revealed through the Word. And as Pastor Brian preached before, the Word is laden. It is like a seed. And that seed has the promise already. It has the victory. It has everything you need. Just as if you were to plant a seed of a tree, it would have everything it needs to grow an entire tree. It's the same thing with joy. And so you have to ingest the word. You have to abide and believe that it has all that you need already. And that's why we celebrate. And I'm not just saying you celebrate in a small way. I'm saying you celebrate with a shout like the children of Jericho did when the walls were coming down. Before they came down, they shouted with a great shout. Or like it says in Isaiah 54, sing, O barren one. It doesn't say sing, O one that has plenty of kids and one that's not going through anything. It says sing, barren one who has squat. Sing. Sing before you see it. Stretch out the dwelling of your tent. Stretch it out and get ready. And so I tell you guys, during this time of my life, I've sat in my truck. My truck and I have held the steering wheel and I have shouted, my praise of joy to the Lord, that I believe in his promise. He told me that he would restore, and it says in his word in Psalms 23, that he will restore my soul. So, I would encourage you tonight, whatever you are facing, rejoice. Some of you need to go home and shout. You need to look at that drug problem. You need to look at that suicide. You need to look at that that hopelessness that lies before you, and you shout, with a great battle cry, because I tell you, the freedom is in you, and the Lord is for you, and his promises are sure, and I stand as a testament to that. Thank you so much.
1: Wow. Oh, that was good, Ashley. Thank you. Um, okay, next. Uh, Alex, are you ready? <laughs> Sorry, but I can't go after that.
4: Wow, Ashley, that was so good. Wow, very encouraging. First of all, I have a couple of special people watching the live stream tonight. I want to say hi to my grandma and my Aunt Rhonda. They're watching me tonight. Everybody say hi, grandma. <laughs> Tonight I want to talk about the right now promises of God. Um, A lot of us know that the promises of God are for us, but sometimes we don't always think that they're for us right now, in this moment, in this situation, and sometimes we start thinking maybe that we can have that promise a few years down the road when things change or things get a little bit better, but tonight I want to tell you that the promises of God are for you and your life right now, right here Today, I'm going to read a story from First Kings chapter 17. Now this story, um, God tells the prophet Elijah to go find this widow, And he says that this widow is going to give him the provision that he needs. And so Elijah goes and he finds this widow, and it picks up in verse 12, uh, "Well, he tells this widow, "Bring me some water and bring me some food." And then it picks up in verse 12, and she says, "As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread." Only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks, that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. What struck me interesting about this story, which was also something that I really related to, was that she said that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And I thought, well, that's a little gruesome. But then I started thinking about it and started thinking, she's got this this situation predetermined in her mind. She's already got an outcome that she's expecting, and she's already determined that it doesn't matter what the situation is, that I'm still going to have that outcome. It's this expectation of failure. It's this expectation of things not going your way. Now, I have uh, this cousin who just got married earlier this year, and right after her wedding, my uncle actually had to go to the hospital, and they figured out that he had stage 4 cancer, and the doctor said that it was terminal. And the diagnosis that they gave was that, you know, we can do some treatments, we can do some experimental things, uh, we can do this and that, and I don't know all the details, but I do know that they said it doesn't matter what we do, the cancer is going to come back, and he's eventually going to die from this cancer. It doesn't matter what, what treatments we give him. We can try some different things, but, but he's going to die. And I remember hearing that, and I, I had this conversation with God, because the doctors had, had this predetermined um, outcome for the situation, and I had this conversation with God where I said, you know, God, I know what your promise says. I know that it says you will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I know that your promise says that it's by Jesus' stripes that we are healed. And I told God that day, I said, listen, I don't care what the circumstance says. I don't care whatever the doctors say. I know the outcome, and I know what you've said about the situation, and I know that my uncle will be completely healed. I know that he's going to come out of this thing 100%, and that's what I talked to God that day, and that's what I fully believe, and I can't wait to stand up here and tell you guys how that's going to turn out because I believe that he's going to be 100% healed. You know, you may have this idea or someone may have told you what's gonna happen in your circumstance, but that's not what you need to listen to because God's got an alternate solution for you. His word says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. His word says that that he came to give you life and that more abundantly. Listen, it doesn't matter what your circumstance is and what you think things are gonna turn out to be. It doesn't matter if you've done all that you can do and you don't see anything else that you can do to change the circumstance, it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up, how many mistakes you've made, God's got a good outcome for you. And it's time to believe that tonight. All right. Thank you guys.
1: right. Y'all already heard from him a little bit tonight, and he doesn't really need an introduction here, but our campus pastor from Irving, Pastor Brian, is here.
0: Amen. What a wonderful night already. Amen. I mean, can we just go ahead and like, wow, wow, some, some good preaching. And uh, yeah, I, I I love that the women are told to sit in church and be quiet, right? Uh, man, they brought the thunder tonight, right? Way to go. And, and uh of course, our youth pastor, um, Alex, I, uh, I <clears throat> asked for a little bit of grace, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, our, our lovely pastor was, was willing to give it to me. Um, I went to study and, and asked the Lord about what he wanted to talk about tonight, and uh, uh, it's a little bit longer than five minutes. I'm going to try to keep it as short as I possibly can, I am, but uh, he told me to go to Ephesians, and I just started reading, and I got to a certain section, and the Lord started revealing some things to me. And uh, it's apparent at this point, usually whenever we do these five minutes, there's a trend and there's a pattern. Because uh, the Holy Spirit talks to, uh, talks to all of us. Um, you can hear God's voice. He is absolutely speaking to you. And uh, whenever you quiet your soul and when you listen to him and you allow his spirit to speak to your spirit because they're one spirit, uh, you realize that he's put you together with a group of people for a time and a season for a reason and that all of a sudden that, that he'll start speaking to everyone in that body and give them pretty much the same message, the same encouragement, just saying, hey, you guys are tra- tracking together. You are. You're all going the same way. You're all looking at a lot of the same things, and you're all here to love each other and encourage each other uh, in this process. And so uh, this word tonight uh, is, I believe, just kind of a, a summation, uh, an extension, if you will, uh, of a lot of what we've already heard. I'm going to read a... In Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> beginning in verse 15 all the way to 23, and then I'm going to back up and unpack some things. Uh, so if, if you're following along, it's Ephesians 1. We're going to start in verse 15, and I'm just going to read through, and, and then we'll analyze it. Therefore, I also, this being Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. We hear that all the time, right? Now, here's what he's actually going to pray. Here, here's what he says that the, that the, the, uh, the knowledge and understanding, that the, the wisdom and the revelation in Christ Jesus, here's what it is, right? Because there's, there's a, a, a colon right there. So he's going to define what that that wisdom, what that understanding, what that knowledge in him, what that revelation is. And here's what he says after that. Uh, beginning in, in, in verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may, one, know what, what is the hope of his calling, two, what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints, and three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he is now going to define. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above the principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. That's a lot of power. Right? That's a that's a pretty extensive definition of power, right? So let's go ahead and start there, right? That, that we have three things that, that we need to understand, that need to be revealed to us. And this is revelation knowledge. And this is revelation knowledge that we only understand when we are in him, Christ Jesus, the one who gives us our identity, the one who gives us our calling, our riches, and our power. Or, if we want to go all peace, who gives us our purpose, right? Who gives us provision, and who gives us power, right? Those three things are revealed to us in Christ Jesus. So first, power. Power is pretty self-explanatory because Paul did it for us, right? I mean, it's everything, right? It's past, it's present, it's future. It's in the ages that were, the ages that is, and the ages that is to come. You know, it's all of it, right? That's, that's, how, that's how timeless this power is. It's eternal. And it's above and it's below, right? It's, it's, it's in heaven and it's in earth. Right? There is nothing that has not been placed at his feet. He has been given dominion over all. And, and the power that he has, now, now this is key that, that Paul explains to us, the power that he has is defined as the same power that raised him from the dead. That's the, the Holy Spirit in God. Right? And that that's the same power that elevated him and seated him in heavenly places. That's the same power that now has placed everything at his feet and given him dominion over all. And it's the same power that was there in the beginning that's going to be there in the end and that will never end. Okay? And here's the big key to that, that power is in you. When you become a believer, you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is the same power that did all of that and now it lives in you. You are not powerless. You are not a victim in your situation. You are never out of options. You are never out of hope. You are never under the thumb of anything. Why? Because it's all under his feet and you're sitting with him. So that's the kind of power that you have, okay? And you can only understand that once you believe and then have it revealed to you. That is revelation knowledge. We can not explain it. We can talk about it but we can only understand it when we rest in him. And that's going to be the theme here, okay? The, the second thing, so now we got power. Let's talk about provision, right? Let's talk about what real riches are, right? And, and what Paul says, we'll go ahead and back up. It's in, uh, let's see, verse 18. What are the riches of his glory? no. listen to this next part. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance, where? In the saints. Ooh, ooh. So we're not talking about wealth here. We're not. At least not the wealth the way that the world defines it, right? I mean, God's attitude towards gold is, yeah, I love gold. I'll pave my streets with it. Let me walk on it. That's how I feel about gold. It's good. It's great. It's wonderful. Makes, makes for wonderful highways, right? Fantastic. Gold. Big fan of gold, right? Doesn't consider gold to be worth anything other than walking on, right? His real treasure is you. His real treasure is found in you, His saints. Which he's, what He's telling us here is that the real wealth in this world is people. The real wealth in this world is people. Don't ever give up on them. Don't ever stop loving them. Don't ever stop pouring into them. Don't ever stop developing them. Understand that your real wealth in this world are the relationships that you are building here. And that the Lord is building them with you. That it is not on you, right? Right? We don't really do it because we love people. We do it because we love him. And praise God, he loves people, so he takes care of it for us, right? So just keep resting in him so that you can keep your eyes on where the real wealth is. And then you will always have the provision you need, not just from him, but I'm going to tell you, whenever I have had no options, it wasn't some kind of artifice or material entity that came through. It was a person. God sent me a person who could help me out, right? Because that's how he works on this earth through his body. That's where the real wealth is, okay? So our real wealth is each other. And I thank God for all of you. I thank God for the body he's called me to. I thank God for my friends, for my family, for my relationships that are there to encourage me, build me up, sustain me, and continue to encourage me as I run this race for him, right? So so, that's, that's the, so now we're, we're, we're kind of, we, we have everything, right? Now we're pulling it back to people. And now he's going to take it down to the simplest thing. So we're kind of reverse engineering this thing. And the first thing that he says, the first thing that, that we have to understand, the most fundamental, the most essential, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, in verse 18, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So when I preached here a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about what real hope is. And real hope isn't Vegas, you know. Real hope isn't go Longhorns, because they lost. Still hurting. I know, I, I know, I know. We'll mourn later, we'll mourn after together. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I just, oh, okay, I got to move on. I'm, I'm about to lose it. <laughs> but but that's, not, that's not real hope. That's, and I'll, let me put it this way. That's not God's hope, okay. God's hope is a person because Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. And because Jesus didn't fail, God's hope doesn't fail. God's word doesn't fail because God's word came in the flesh and walked the earth as a person. And fulfilled all. And now is seated in heavenly places where he has dominion over all. Okay, That's the kind of hope God has. That's the kind of hope we have, again, in him. Christ Jesus. Right, And so... There are two things that I want you to understand from what this says. What is the glory of the hope of our calling, right? What is the glory of the hope of your calling? First of all, you have a purpose. Most people flop around in this world searching for that. Most people will spend their entire lifetime, they will make so many destructive, reckless decisions in this pursuit of what, is my, what, am, I, what am I here for? What does all of this mean? Does it mean anything? You absolutely have a purpose, but it's in Him. Your purpose is in Him. And when you get in Him, when you believe Jesus, when you have the Holy Spirit, when you have all of that power inside you, all of a sudden your purpose is revealed to you very plainly, very clearly, very explicitly. And it's, it's not the whole thing. I mean, it's a step-by-step thing. The Lord's like, now go here, and now go here, and now go here, right? It's a wonderful thing. Um, Sometimes I wish I knew the end of the story. Sometimes I'm glad I don't. Um, But the reality of it is, is that if you're looking for purpose tonight, all you need to know is one man who came and died for you because he loved you so much. And when you know him, he's going to show you your purpose. He's going to reveal the glory and the treasure that's inside you, and he's going to help you get there. That's the first thing. The second thing is that because you have a purpose, God needs you to fulfill it. Now, all of a sudden, oh, man, i got to work. I'm way behind, right? Ah, I have so much to do. No, no, that's not what any of Scripture teaches us. What Scripture teaches us is that we are His workmanship. And that we walk in the good works that he's prepared for us. That's what Ephesians 2.10 t- says. If we keep reading. The reality of our purpose and the reality of his hope is that his hope never fails. Which means your purpose never fails. That means when you get in him, you're in a failure-free zone. And you don't really have to do anything except rest in him. Now, that, that seems real weird, Pastor. I know it does. Let me, let me, let's, let's walk through this a little bit. Here's what I mean by that, okay? Most of the time when we wake up in the morning, we start thinking about, man, I've got to do all of these things before I rest. I've got to wake up, and I've got to get to work, and I've got to do all this work, and then once I'm done with that work, I can come home and I can rest. Ooh, that's backwards. It's very backwards, especially the way that Jesus tells us to do it. What we need to do is wake up in the morning and rest in him. And once we rest in him, okay, now I have the supply I have the mercy that's new each day. I have the grace for this day. I have the love for this day. I have the wisdom for this day. I have the provision for this day. And after I've rested, now I go work. Because it ain't work anymore. <laughs> it's just me walking in the work that he has already prepared and completed for me. It's done. It's finished. The problem is, is that we view it as an unfinished work. And now all of a sudden, we've got to finish it. No, it is finished. It's finished. You need to rest in the finished work, and then you just walk through the rest of it. It isn't work, and if you're viewing it as work, I'm here to give you a better promise of hope for your life. His hope never fails when we're in Him, and when we rest in Him, we always find the supply for whatever the world will demand of us. And when we not only can meet that demand, but exceed it, then we're going to show other people what the hope of our Lord What the glory of our God on this earth really is, really looks like, and really can do. And so I want to encourage you to rest. Rest in Him. Rest in His power. Rest in His provision. Rest in His promises. Rest in His grace. Rest in His love. And you will find joy unspeakable. You will know that hope which never fails. You will understand that faith is just what you do because of the God that you have and that love pours out of you because it has nowhere else to go because you just got way too much of it and you need to hand it out. I want to encourage you wherever you are, whatever place you might find yourself in, there is no darkness that the light can't touch. And the beautiful thing is that light and dark, it's not a dualistic thing. It's not like they can both be at the same time. There's either one or the other. So wherever there is dark, right now in Jesus' name, the light of God's love is touching that place in your life. Right now I want you to open that door. I want you to open that closet. I want you to go into that room and you're going to take Jesus with you and his light is going to fill up that room and it's going to just clear everything out. We don't have to talk about the darkness. We don't speak about the darkness is what Ephesians 5 tells us. All we do is shine the light of God's love. You are loved. You are forgiven. You have grace. So much more grace than you can even possibly imagine. And you just allow that to transform you in your situation and then you will see God transform your situation. Let Him work on you first. Stop worrying about the situation. Let Him work on you, and then the rest of it'll take care of itself. Just close out, or do you want to? Okay, yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll go. Sorry. I always get order of service wrong. That's why I have my wife with me. That's why I have her here. And she just, see, if it's not for the ladies. We're completely lost. Can we, men just, amen, right? Just go home and love on your wives tonight, gentlemen. I mean, say thank you for making sure that I don't leave the house with my underwear on the outside, right? Because I probably would. And honey, you need some pants before you go out into the world, okay? So, uh, Father, first, thank you for our women. Thank you for our wives. Uh, And and thank you for... uh, Thank you for your great love. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your wisdom and your revelation and the understanding in Christ Jesus. That in you, Father, we have rest. And that in that rest we find our purpose and our purpose just is about who we are and who you've called us to be. So we walk in your works that you have prepared for us because you are the workman. And you said it was finished. So now we just walk in grace. By faith, I thank you, Lord, that people are our riches and that you have called us to understand that you have housed the treasure in earthen vessels, both in us and in others. And I thank you that we reach the glory that is in us, the treasure you have placed in us, and we speak to the glory and the treasure that you have placed in others. And I thank you, Father, for your power, the might that you have given us, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has sealed us in promise. And that now we walk this earth and we can pray as Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Because he reigns over heaven and earth. And as he is seated, so are we in heavenly places. And we, the church, as his body in this earth, will declare the great and precious promises which you have given us. Knowing that your word never returns void, but accomplishes everything that you sent it to accomplish. So I thank you right now that your people are blessed in Jesus' name. There is no longer a curse. That they are surrounded with your favor as with a shield. That no weapon formed against them shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn. That no plague shall come near their dwelling or evil befall them. That while a thousand may fall at their side and ten thousand at their right hand, it will not come near them. I thank you, Lord, that their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace, that all of their houses and all of their days will be ordered of you, Lord, that the people that know their God are mighty in this earth and do great exploits. So I thank you that signs and wonders follow these believers. I thank you that right now they are healed because by your stripes we are healed, that you were wounded so we could be healed, and that's body, soul, and spirit completely reconciled to your perfect calling and purpose, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we are sons and daughters of God Most High because you sent your Son to become the Son of Man so that we, sons of men, could become sons and daughters of God Most High. I thank you, Lord, right now that they are righteous, that they are completely forgiven, completely known, completely reconciled as the perfect work in Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that they walk in that that they walk in the beauty and the grace and the love that they have, sharing that light with others, letting them know that they have a God who loves them so much that he is not judging them, but rather he has judged them, and he has judged them as perfect, holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight, those who know his son. So I thank you that they speak that perfect grace and perfect peace over their brothers and sisters, so that they may know you and live in the promises that we live in. And I thank you, Father, now that you bless them and keep them, that you cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious unto them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.